RadioInfluence.com. On today's Real Animals podcast, I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Captain Clay Scheidler. Clay fishes out of the plantation on Crystal River up there in beautiful Crystal River, Florida. You see uh, him and I fishing together a lot on the Real Animals TV show. Very, very talented young guy. Looking forward to this podcast very much. Hope you guys enjoy it. Joining me on today's Real Animals podcast, a, uh, a very good friend of mine. You've seen him on several episodes of the Real Animals TV show, always putting me on fish. He's with Hang'em High Sport Fishing. You can check him out, hang'emhighsportfishing.com. Captain Clay Scheidler. Clay, how are you, buddy? Doing good, doing good, Mike. Did you fish today? Glad to be on the, uh, on the podcast. Did you fish today? I did not. No? This is one of the very few weather cancellations <laughs> that I've actually uh, I've actually decided to stay on land. I don't blame you. She's a little uh, she's a little breezy. She's a little breezy out there today. Let's 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 start. Um, I always like to start these. You know, Clay, you've done a great job. Um, I know you're still pretty young, but you've done a great job establishing yourself as one of the better charter captains on the west coast of florida you know how much fun i have coming up there to the plantation on crystal river and getting the opportunity to fish with you where did it all start for clay scheidler where does you know how does captain or clay scheidler become captain clay scheidler if you will well mike i've spent most of my life most of my childhood really on the water uh you know growing up we we grew up here in crystal river me and my brother my my parents settled here in the 80s and uh and then I was born in 93 and lived on a canal in a, a little house back on a canal off the main river. And my parents never bought me a video game system as a kid. Never had one. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was outside. Get out. My mom wanted us out of the house. And, and now looking back, I know that it was for her sanity because she didn't want our crazy butts in the house. But <laughs> no, we've we've had a great time you know we we grew up roaming around the canals on little tiny boats with trolling motors on them whatever my dad found at a yard sale or whatever with a an old trolling motor and then that was it i mean it was those things took us as far as they could take us and that was that was really how my childhood went and then getting into commercial fishing in my high school days you know it, it just kind of all evolved from there and when I was 18, I got my captain's license. I really was all, I was still kind of had that commercial fishing thought that I wanted to go out and I wanted to catch them. And now it's, it's evolved into so much more of the, I want to go out. I want to watch people do it. I want to try to, I want to enjoy the challenge of taking somebody that should not realistically be catching that 30 inch redfish and get them in position, help coach them through making the cast watch them catch that fish, watch the smile on their face. That's really a big part of it for me. And that's why I enjoy guiding so much. Well, and I, I thought it was interesting. You know, I was in doing some homework for this podcast last night, just, you know, I was on the website and all that stuff. And, and I, and I, I took some notes and one of the key notes I wrote down was you do inshore fishing, offshore fishing, scallop trips and duck hunting trips. I mean, that's a lot of guiding, bro. <laughs> I mean, you know, usually people specialize, but you're kind of all over the board here. So, you know, how did that happen? How do you, you know, how does it get so widespread for you? It really is. It's really just a lot of it is for me personally. Um, I, I don't like doing the same thing day after day after day. It really, it, it actually gets old to me. 
on a personal level. Right. I like the challenge of doing new stuff, moving from one thing to the next, you know, and we're going out and I'm catching fish in four inches of water. And then in a month I'll be doing snook and cobia. I'll be catching fish in 15 to 20 foot of water, of cobia fishing. After that, I moved to the middle grounds. We're a hundred miles offshore. After I'm done with the middle grounds, I go to the keys. I guide and marathon in the keys for dolphin, tuna, wahoo, and swordfish for eight weeks. And then I come back and I shallow water grouper fish. I never do the same thing for more than two months. And I really think that it's helped me both really like stay interested in it because it's always the next challenge and there's no days off for me. So I, I step out of one boat, step into the next boat, the clients show up and they expect me to be at my best. And if I haven't been in that boat for a month, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's go time and you better have it together. But I also have a really incredible team of young guys to, to lean on when I need them. So that also really helps keep things going for us. Networking is a huge part uh, of today's fishing guide business, you know, having a good crew around you so that, you know, cause it's impossible to zig when you should zig every day, you know, sooner or later you zig when you should have zagged. And it's nice if you have other bodies on the water to, you know, steer you back in the right direction and help you along the way. I think that's a, uh, that's a key piece uh, to the puzzle. You know, when I, I guess you and I have been filming together for, I don't know, four or five years now. And I think it's interesting to me the way I've just seen you evolve. Um, and again, you, you kind of hit on it a little bit. You know, when I first met you, there was a little bit of a commercial feel to you. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just I mean there was a commercial feel to you. And I just kind of, I kind of figured that was from your commercial background you know, in your younger days, uh, it happens to a lot of guys that start out commercial fishing and they get in the guide business. But I've seen this kind of evolution in you, um, which I think is really, really impressive. And I think it's really, really good. Um, and I think it would be easy for you to miss that target um, because you've done so well with your business. Uh, I think you could you could kind of keep rolling in the direction you were and not get a a big taste of the big picture, but it sure seems like, you know, the CCA side of you, the conservation side of you has really um, changed a little bit. And, and, you know, I give a lot of credit. I talk to people all the time about the, the guides in crystal river that put limits on their catches that are stricter than those that the FWC places. And I think that's pretty impressive. Is that kind of, did that kind of help your evolution there on the conservation side? How did that whole thing come about? Oh yeah, most definitely. And really for me personally, it's kind of come on in the past few years after we've, you know, we figured out, we, we've really worked hard to become, you know, for lack of better words, as your clients step on the boat and they want to keep fish and they want to take home fish, it forces you to be better at killing fish and you get better at it. You know, for me, my brother, Captain Brandon, Captain Hunter, my guys, it's not difficult on a, on a reasonable day to go out and catch limits of trout, limits of reds, limits of whatever we're targeting. But it, at the same token, you get so good at it that now you start to have the opportunity to hurt the fish and, and, and maybe not even hurt the fish so much as, you know, pushing that, that mantra and then everybody else gets better at it. And now you have 40 guides hurting fit, you know, really putting a lot of pressure on the fish and trying to really just trying to work with your customers. And we have an incredible repeat clientele up here with, for our business guys that are coming back month after month. And it's like, Hey, 
last month we went out, we limited out on grouper. You guys, did you eat all your grouper? Oh, no, we still got half in the freezer. All right, guys, we'll go out here. We'll catch a couple of reds, a couple of trout. You know, keep what you need, you know, and, and kind of plan it on a case-by-case basis versus, you know, three people step in my boat. I need three limits of trout, three limits of redfish. Right. And everything else that we can possibly get. It's kind of, you know, there's a fine line because you have so many people that are coming with you to catch fish and to keep fish, which is fine. But on the other side of it, is trying to help people understand that, hey, keep what we can't, keep what we need. Don't just keep for the sake of putting fish on ice and then, you know, utilize it. And that's really the whole thing. You know, they're kind of the, in my, and I always preach this to my guys, the era of the old salty captain that filled the box full of fish and didn't care about anything is over. It's gone. Now, we're, we're really pushing into a new era of, of the fishing guy world. It's about having fun. It's about catching fish. It's about being personable. It's about all those pieces of the puzzle. And that's what we want. And that's what it, what it should be. And at the same token, guides are there for the clients in the, that are sitting in the chairs on their boats. When that customer steps foot on my boat, I have guys that still want to go out and they want to keep all the fish they can. And that's fine. Well, but at the same time, being conservative about it and catching the right fish, you know, don't go out and, and when guys would be happy with a bunch of grunts for a fish fry, that doesn't mean necessarily going and killing a limit of snook uh, on, in, in that respect. It's, you know, kind of understanding what your customers want and what is going to be the best for that experience is really one of the hallmarks of being a good guide, in my opinion. Yeah. Sustainable fisheries. I like to say sustainable fisheries. And, you know, as your fishery popularity grows in the Crystal River area, um, I think it's important. And I think, like I said, it was very forward thinking of your group, uh, the group of guides up there all getting together and kind of starting to limit yourselves even a little more than the FWC limits us. Um, I thought that was huge just because of that issue, because and I think that's part of the problem on Tampa Bay, you know, where we have, you know, hundreds of guides and hundreds of recreational anglers, thousands of recreational anglers. And, and they, you know, it's, you have to be, you have to be paying attention to the sustainability of your fishery. Um, you know, mother nature, I think is an incredible, an incredible beast. Uh, she can heal herself and do things that are just unbelievable. Uh, but I think as a, as a, as, as, a, as a group that makes their living on the water, I think it's very honorable and commendable to be doing the things you guys do as a group up there. I really do. It's, it's always impressed me. When I first started to hear those stories, I thought, and that's really, that's really forward thinking, you know, especially before doing it before you get, you know, 10 years down the road. And now you went from 40 guides to 200 guides. You know, before everybody on the planet starts fishing out of Crystal River, doing that ahead of the curve, I think, is brilliant. And I don't think that's been done in Tampa. I think it's just now starting to come along, and it's too bad. I think we should have started it 10 or 15 years ago. Would have been much. We'd have been much further ahead. So, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I just it's just one of those. I take my hat off to you guys up there because I think you've done a great job. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk tips a little bit. Um, you know, always been really impressed with some of your fish ability, and again, I think part of that impressed 
it's part of the things that impress me the most are your, you know, the fact that you're fishing inshore, offshore, near shore, you know, duck hunting trips, keys trips. Uh, you have a lot to stay on top of. I mean, what are some of the things you would, as a tip to anglers, you know, say listening here in Tampa, you know, what are some of the things you think that jump out at you that people need to do to become better anglers, to become more consistent anglers? Me and you have talked about this while we're fishing together, you know, and, and I think, I think so many of, so much of modern fishing and modern angling is trying to stay up on the newest, the latest, the greatest this new lure came out last week. I need to throw that. The fish haven't seen it. And I think there's, I think there's so much that people get so involved with and so caught up with. And I can, I can honestly a hundred percent say that I've gotten caught up in it myself from time to time with having thousands of lures at my disposal and having a garage that looks like a tackle shop some days, you know, a lot of times it, it, it works so much better for me and for my guys to just not overthink it. And, and, I, and this is the easiest way I can put it in perspective for my client. We're out in a, in a bay boat. We're in a $100,000 boat with $15,000 worth of rods and reels with probably $1,000 worth of lures at our disposal if needed at any given minute. And we're trying to outsmart something that has a brain the size of a pencil eraser. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and, and when, you, when you put it down to perspective like that, not overthinking it and really just keeping up with, hey, fishing the right areas, fishing the right tides, getting back to simple things, presenting your bait right, and doing all of that is the biggest part of, of what helps us be so successful, especially up here. I mean, trying to make sure that you're, you're really using the right tackle for the fish is, is a big part of it, too. I mean, we fish light tackle. I fish 10-pound braid on all of my inshore trips. Whether I'm targeting a 15-inch trout or a 40-inch snook, it's 10-pound test. And you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff, you know, I, I fish a very simple program. We fish a lot of really simple baits up this way and people can say, maybe our fish are dumber. You look at it from a hundred different ways, but at the end of the day, sticking with a system that really works for you and a style of fishing that really works for you is in my opinion, the best way to be successful. And, and yesterday on my charter was a prime example. I had one guy that is not good at throwing a jig on a jig head of all things. It was very challenging for him to catch trout in five foot of water. But I can tell you this, and this may sound opposite of so many things. We went back up into a creek into a shallow little pothole, and he threw an unfair lures twitch bait. And then he also threw a mirror lure mirrodine, which is theoretically a more difficult bait to work. And he caught trout till he was sick of catching trout, just because of the fact that it worked a little better for him and his style. He liked to be able to work a lure that was up toward the surface. He didn't have to manage if it was going down to the bottom it made him a more successful angler. And that's a big part of it. Knowing what is your strong point, just like bass fishing, you have guys that are good at flipping. That's their strong point. And being able to play to your strong point is a huge part of helping you be successful on the water, in my opinion. Yeah, I also think it's partly what you like to do. And again, that won't always work in every scenario. But, you know, I like to throw soft plastics. You know, and fishing the Redfish Tournament Trail for so many years, I was always thrilled when my partner liked to throw topwater plugs or gold spoons because I really like to throw soft plastics. That's what I like to throw. Not that I don't throw topwaters or don't throw gold spoons, but my favorite thing to do is to throw plastics. So, um, you know, again, knowing what your strengths are, what you like to do, 
Um, I think all of that, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. I think that'll help you become a better angler for sure. No, for sure. That, that's, a, that's a big part of it. And then as a guide, being able to play into your customer's strong suits. I mean, you know, three days ago, I had a couple that fished with me that really never fished. They had caught a couple of bass freshwater fishing with a guide on a previous trip. But, you know, yeah, could we have gone and caught these redfish throwing spoons, throwing plugs? Yes, we could have. But honestly, for them, the way to do it was just to throw a shrimp on the bottom. And as simple as it was, they caught a ton of fish. Yeah. And looking at it from a guide's perspective, being able to play to your customers and not going, well, guys, we really need to throw artificials. Don't, it, it, it's, that's the whole thing. It, it's just play to the, the strength of the people that are with you. Play to your own personal strength from our perspective when we're just fishing. And, and that is the, a big part of being successful. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you, because you do so many different things, um, I want to ask you, and, and I know Crystal River is different than some other parts of the state, you know, maybe less fishing pressure, things like that. But let's talk a little bit about the state of the fishery in general. Um, you know, I've done some amazing grouper. The shallow water grouper fishing that you do is absolutely epic. So much fun. Um, you know, what's the state of that fishery? Do you think that's a, a, a fishery that's in really great shape? Is it a fishery that's in tough shape? Do you, are you a, a, a guy, you know, I think a lot of times we don't get asked about, you know, the, the state of the fishery um, when it comes to certain species. And I think that's kind of unfair to us because we're the ones that are on the fish the most. So, you know, how do you feel gag grouper in general are doing on Florida's West Coast? You know, Mike, and this is a, this is definitely a, a key topic as far as what fisheries management should really be, be looking at. But in my personal opinion, our gag grouper fishery is doing incredible. Um, this year, we caught more fish than we've ever caught in total. We had fish that in areas that we hadn't seen them before coming in closer and shallower and the fish spreading out. And I think a big part of that is this six-month closed season that we have on these fish uh, has really, excuse me, five month close season. It's closed January 1st through the end of May. Opening day is June 1 and it runs through the end of the year. And I think that's been a big part of, of the sustainability of this fishery and growth of this fishery. I mean, we have seen bigger fish in shallower water than, than really any of even the old timers can remember. Yeah. You know, you talk to the guys back in the eighties, a 25 inch grouper in what we would call the foul area which is that six to eight foot of water that we throw plugs in a lot. And me and you have fished there. A 25 inch grouper in the eighties was a big grouper out there. You know, that was also because if it was over about 14 inches, it would go in the cooler. <laughs> right. So uh, a really a fisheries management success story right alongside our red snapper on the offshore front. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you never caught a red snapper in 60 foot of water or 70 foot. It was a, you go to a hundred foot, you go to the middle grounds, you're going to catch your red snappers. Now, we have guys complaining about the fact that we have too many of them. And it, it's really an unbelievable statement to make that the fisheries managers have done such a good job of bringing this species back that now there's too many of them and we need to kill more of them. <laughs> when in reality, that's what you want. Right. If you go out during red snapper season, it's almost a guarantee on a good weather day that you're going to get your limit of snapper. And that's really a major, that is the hallmark of a successful fishery. <laughs> I mean, you're going to go out, you're going to catch your fish, you're going to catch more than your limit, you're going to have a great time doing it. It's, it's everything you could ever want, and, and really, managers need to do everything they can to keep it at that level. 
where are you on, you know, maybe, you know, especially seeing as how you brought up Red Snapper, this kind of triggered this question. Where are you on maybe cutting some slack? Because our Red Snapper season is so short. I mean, don't you think with the number of Red Snapper we have that we could possibly get a bigger take of some kind? And, and Mike, I'm going to be honest with you in this. I don't necessarily think that we even need more days of snapper fishing. And this is going to sound crazy to some people. I think Florida needs to do a better job with, co- with truly comprehensive regulations, regulations that make sense, and they may be considered more complex or more complicated for the recreational anglers, but there's so many places in our country that have really, really comprehensive regulations. If they took those 60 days of snappers and, and made it to where, hey, you can keep snapper every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in federal waters. That means any weekend of the year, anybody can go out and they can catch their snappers. And maybe if they said, you know, we'll give one weekday, give Wednesdays, you can keep snapper. Do stuff like that to where, as a charter captain, I have a 60 day, I had a 60-day season last year, roughly. I had to go catch my snappers day after day after day after day after day for 60 days. Spreading it out, meaning, hey, the weather's bad this weekend. We can keep them every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll go next weekend. That's fine. That would be, in my opinion, a, reg- a regulation change that would be, it would be a dramatic boost to the recreational fishermen being able to go out on most weekends of catch shred snappers. That would be awesome for the recreational guys. And for me, I wouldn't have to beat myself and my boats and my crew to death in 60 days trying to get all the, all the snapper trips in that I can. Right. And I think like going that direction is really the way to do it, you know, and the fish are maybe getting beat up on the weekends and they've got the week to rest. And that's really a major part of, of what I would like to see happen. You know, comprehensive regulations in Alaska, you can't keep halibut on Wednesdays. The fish get a day off every week, stuff like that. I mean, it's being done other places and really if fisheries management would look at doing that. I think it would be a dramatic boost to the fishery, to the economy. It would spread things out and it would allow people to, to utilize the fishery over a longer period of time. And it would also I think it would be really good for the fish. That's a very interesting take on that. Let's slide inshore. Um, I've had people that uh, I fish with in Crystal River uh, from time to time that tell me that the red fishing in Crystal River might be possibly as good as they've ever seen it. Where are you with your red fishing fishery as we speak? Our redfish fishery has been very strong. We have a lot of good fish, and we have a lot of juvenile fish, and that's really been a, a major point for us, being able to see that. You know, seeing yesterday, I think we caught probably, I think we caught three oversized, we caught five slot fish, and we probably caught two dozen undersized fish, and that kind of shows, you know, to me and what we're seeing healthy that fishery. we've got a healthy fishery, right. and that's really what, that's really all we can ask for bringing the the redfish limit back down to one fish was an awesome thing that they did. There's no reason to have a redfish fishery based purely around the harvest of redfish, in my personal opinion. And I know there's a lot of people that are going to disagree with that. But the truth of it is, is you need to allow one fishery to stay strong and also promote a heavy conservation of that fishery so that you always have something. You know, even if we had millions of redfish, there's still no reason to raise the bag limits and utilize more of them and harvest more of them. It's just a good fish to have around that survives catch and release well. It's everything you want in an inshore game fish 
I think the state has done a really good job of, of managing it for the most part in our area. And I think your area is seeing a major rebound after the red tide problems and all of that that you've had, you know, as far as they close that season and it's really helped these fish out. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that they give us another year of the closure, but I, I don't know that they will, but I hope that they do for sure. Let's let's check on. I want to check on uh, two other other inshore species while I got you. How's the trout fishing been? Because our trout fishing is really be- brutal, but you guys didn't get the red tide we did. So I was just curious as to how your trout fishing has been. You know, this colder the colder months here. It's winter time. Should be pretty good, I would think. Yes, Mike. Our trout fishing has been absolutely awesome. We've got trout on the outside out on the spoil islands and stuff around the barge canal and the spoil banks and all that. There's, there's a lot of trout out there. And then we have a lot of trout back in the creeks, a foot of water way back up in a Creek. You know, we're kind of seeing fish all over the place and that's really good. You know, our new trout regulations just took effect February 1st. And there was, there was such a mixed bag of, of opinions on that, on that and, and what was proposed and what ended up going through, you know, no longer having the guide being allowed to keep his limit. I think is a great thing. At the same time, there's never been a guide that has ever been forced to keep his limit. So I think that maybe was an unnecessary regulation in principle, but at the same time, I think it's good that they went ahead and did it. It's still five fish in our area per person. And uh, I think, you know, if you have two clients on board taking home 10 trout, uh, that in itself is plenty of fish, let alone if you add anything else to it, they're in great shape. And, you know, I, I think it's, there's no need to really do much else. No, I, I agree with you totally on that account for sure. What? Uh, um, let's talk quick about your snook fishery. Um, you know, there were several years I would come up there and we'd see a lot of really big snook. Caught several 40-inch fish up there, lots of fish in the 30-plus range, um, and we didn't see a lot of smaller fish. Now, you and I just shot a show here recently up there where we caught a pile of smaller fish 20 25 inch fish and i I just i think that's kind of interesting how is that snook fishery evolving up there clay well these these big fish that showed up about seven years ago in my opinion that was the first year that that really we had a lot of snook around seven years ago and that being said those fish have found offshore places to spawn we've actually figured out a couple of those so we know that it is happening um you know and that that has really helped promote these, you know, this, this fishery and, and help it grow. We're now seeing a lot of juveniles and really this have taken root in a serious way. I think in 10 years, you know, our fishery may be a totally different animal than what we're looking at today. You know, we have on any given day in the summertime, you can go ride around our outside islands and see more snook than redfish. And um, as things pro- continue to progress with the snook and the population continues to grow, barring they don't get frozen out, I think um, I think right now we have one of the best snook fisheries in the state, and we're seeing more and more and more fish in that 15 inches to 28 inch class, which are the the smaller juvenile fish, and they're they're going to grow up to be a really strong population of of adult fish. Well, no doubt about it. I, I just I love that fishery up there. You know, I love coming up there, staying at the plantation on Crystal River. I love coming fishing with you and your. Your brother Blake, uh, hangemhighsportfishing.com. Check out my good friend Captain Clay Scheidler. Again, offshore, inshore, uh, scalloping trips, duck hunting trips, trips in the Keys. Uh, Clay, you do it all, bro, and you do it really, really well. I really, really appreciate uh, your friendship. I appreciate you spending a little time with us on the podcast today, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, buddy. 
Captain Clay Scheidler with a great podcast, just a really interesting young charter captain, one of the best I've fished with in the state of Florida. Super young, super energetic, you know, the offshore, nearshore, inshore thing, scallop trips, duck hunting, just a talented, tireless kid, um, just really a ton of fun to fish with. You can see a lot of our exploits together on the Real Animals TV show. Real Animals podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. We're always trying to drop new episodes almost each and every Tuesday, so make sure you check them out. And remember, the Real Animals podcasts are presented by Contender Boats. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.